You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Wisconsin Sports Rocks podcast on the Packernet Podcast Network. My name is Sam Holman. I'll be your host for this episode. Uh, we're going to be talking the loss to the Lions. Obviously, a different tone than, than last week when we were breaking down the Vikings game for obvious reasons. Uh, the Packers are eliminated. They they don't even get to the playoffs. Um, they finished the season with an 8-9 record. So a lot of questions moving forward about the roster, about the future of the uh, of the team. Um, but th- those can we'll we'll probably get to those later on in the off season. For now, I just want to focus on this game and kind of what they were doing defensively. Um, overall, it, it wasn't a horrible game. Uh, they allowed a couple big plays towards the end. It felt like that was kind of coming just with the way the offense wasn't able to move the ball much. Um, uh, but I thought they did some creative things. Uh, obviously, news Matt Lafleur in a, in a uh, press conference today mentioned that he anticipates keeping Joe Barry. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we're going to probably be looking at next year, in, unless something happens. I, I do wonder they they obviously haven't completed their um, the, their season reviews and kind of looked over the job that each side of the ball did. So they're probably going to be do that. And that could change Matt Lafleur's opinion. Um, I, I don't think it's definitively a, a set in stone decision yet, but I doubt he would say something like that unless he were pretty sure that, that Barry would be coming back. Another possibility is if Aaron Rodgers does reci- decide to retire or request a trade or whatever he decides to do, they may want to just kind of start over on that side of the ball. Um, if Rodgers stays, you, you can kind of see there might be benefit in in keeping continuity on both sides of the ball as much as possible, just to maximize whatever window they they feel that they have. Um, but as of right now, sounds like he'll be he'll be back next year. Um, diving into kind of what what the Packers were doing, I mean, it, it felt like. It was kind of interesting. They they felt it felt like they did go back to more single high coverages after spending the last couple of weeks doing a lot of cover eight, uh, a lot of quarter quarter half, half quarter quarter, 
uh, the, some of those different too high variations. Um, I would guess it's just because the 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 Lions spent a lot of time in heavy personnel. Um, but even out of that single high, they did some interesting stuff. Uh, they used a lot of line movement, um, essentially forming five-man fronts in different ways. Uh, they they like doing that. They did that post snap a couple times where they had a you know standard nickel front type look, and then they slanted, brought someone down uh, from the second level to one of the edges. Uh, usually it was Quay Walker, but they even did it once with uh, Adrian Amos, which was which was pretty interesting. Um, they experimented. They had kind of some four safety packages on the field where they had Ennis Gaines, Amos, Savage, and Rudy Ford on the field all together. It was kind of a, a in-between personnel package, uh, in, in between base personnel and nickel, where they felt you know fairly comfortable fitting some fitting some runs from like when the lines got into twelve personnel and that sort of thing. Um, they did do some. They did. Uh, do some interesting stuff with um, some of their nickel fronts as well, where they essentially had three defensive linemen on the field and then one edge rusher or what, what they normally use as an edge rusher. Normally um, what they would do in this front, which, you know, some people might call that like a mint front, kind of like what some colleges like Alabama and Georgia use where you'll have um, normally those schools will use that in sort of a tight front look with tight alignment. So, double four eye techniques and then a zero technique nose tackle package did not do that essentially what they did was they put them in a modified overfront so you had a um a three technique to the tight end side or whatever they designated the, the strength of the formation you had a one technique or a, a nose tackle uh shaded to the other side of the center and then on the weak side of the formation, you had a stand-up outside linebacker to the strong side, to the tight end side. Um, generally, they they would put a defensive lineman like Jaron Reed was there. Uh, they, it was mostly his role, but I believe they, they may have used Kenny Clark there once or twice as well. Um, but he would essentially line up as either five technique or um, as a... Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm blanking on the alignment because that when, once they get out past like into the tight end, it kind of gets weird because you know out counting up from the center it makes sense, right? Zero technique, one technique, two technique, and I believe that um, inside shoulder of the tight end is seven technique, and then head up over the tight end is a six technique, and then outside shoulder of the tight end is a nine technique. So it kind of gets all it's a little bit harder to remember, but um, generally you would line up as either five technique or six technique. Um, either on the outside shoulder of the tackle or head up on the uh, tight end. And what what that kind of did was it allowed the linebackers to fit really fast. That's where you saw kind of Quay Walker really come downhill because he didn't, he, he essentially just had to handle those backside gaps, the backside C and the backside D gap. Um, and so he could, he could play fat a bit faster. He didn't have to worry about countering stuff front side. Um, that kind of front, you know, it against the Lions who don't like they're not a super outside zone heavy team, or at least that wasn't their game plan this week. Um they they do a look they do some counters, some power. They they have a really varied run game. Um so that was the, this kind of uh was good against some of the that other stuff they wanted to do, right? When when you want to run power to the tight end side, your tight ends essentially matched up with their three hundred pound defensive linemen, so you can kind of get a mismatch that way. Um, and then, you know, to, with the, with the zone stuff, they did try to run the Packers handle that well. I don't think it would work against like a super detailed, like 
uh, a team that rounds outside zone as a staple like the 49ers. But it, it was definitely an, an interesting tweak that they pulled out for this game. Um, that, that is something, you know, talking about looking forward with Joe Barry. I felt like he did adjust this year and he did find some stuff that works. I wish it had happened earlier in the year. I mean, some of the, especially like the coverage stuff uh, I had been <laughs> calling, calling for or even anticipating that he would use early on in the year. And so, I mean, if he gets to that stuff earlier, maybe next year they have a, a better defense overall. Um, you know, obviously this year was kind of a disappointment, but uh, I, I have not, he, he didn't, he wasn't all bad this year. That's what I'm trying to say. And, and there was, um, I was listening to the athletic football show earlier today. Uh, it was Mike Sando and um, Robert Mays talking about coaching candidates and kind of, you know, just, just discussing that whole topic with what, some of the head coaches that were fired, some of the openings that have come become available in the, around the league. Um, and one of them brought up, you know, that, that sometimes some people consider that three year mark to be the, the full time that some coaches need to implement their system. And I I'm pessimistic that that's what, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I don't anticipate like Barry magically becoming an elite coach in year three, but I, I just thought that was interesting. Kind of some food for thought. Um, like I said, I, I don't think it really applies in this situation since he's been in the league for so long and just has never had that success. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I am, I'm probably coping a little bit, <laughs> uh, but getting back to the game, uh, before we, before we do that, talk about some other subjects, I'm just going to take a quick break. Uh, so you can hear some messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, we are back talking the Packers lost to the Lions, end of the season, all that stuff. Um, I mean, I kind of touched on the those front manipulations were the main uh, tweaks they really used this week. Um, I will address, though, that, that kind of big chunk uh, gain. I think it was to DJ Chark in the second half of the game. I felt like that kind of opened it up. That's when the Lions really you know, took a hold of the momentum. I believe the Packers did score after that to 
keep the game within reach. Um, I think it even gave them gave them the lead for a little bit, but it felt like that that play was kind of the the dagger, so to speak. Um, I, I felt like actually in this game, you know, kind of ironically considering what his what people people's general picture of him has been over this last couple of years, I felt like Barry actually got too aggressive at times. Um, there were a couple of chunk gains the Lions were able to get when he was blitzing. Uh, just this the extra stress that placed on the second level didn't always work out well. And that big play in particular, uh, I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look back and look at the tape, but I think the Lions may have taken advantage of a Packers um, formational tell. Uh, essentially what happened, the, the Lions were in I formation offset. Uh, so they had a fullback, a running back in, in the uh, backfield, tight end in line. So it's a really run-heavy formation. Um, and the Packers, I believe they've got basically got into base personnel and what the lines did, they lined up in, um, I offset slot. So that, that means that both wide receivers in that situation were to one side of the field. And what has happened in the past, I think the Lions game was one of the big times it happened was, um, the, the Packers got hurt by a smash concept, right? Where the outside receiver runs kind of, you know, can be multiple different routes, you know. Usually, it's like some sort of curl or comeback, or a, not not a comeback route, but it's some sort of short route that draws up that outside defender. That's designed to draw up that outside defender, and then the uh, slot receiver, you know, runs a smash route. And what the, it looked like the Packers did was they were worried about that, and so they they essentially played it with more of a zone type look. Um, and, and what they were doing, I, I should back up a little bit. The defense was essentially blitzing one of the corners. So they had uh, the corner on the side of the tight end, Rasul Douglas. He was kind of within the box. And so they essentially sent him, played uh, fire zone coverage, three three deep, three underneath zones. And um, the, the slot player, who's normally supposed to take, he's supposed to play the seam to the flat and well, the Packers normally play that pretty tightly, right? The it almost it often looks like man coverage essentially, where the slot player will just carry that receiver up the field wherever he goes after a certain uh, depth. Um, but that's that slot defender in this case, it's a safety rolled down. Uh, Darnell Savage, he plays it with more as more of a in more of a zone look, zone technique, and what that essentially means is it means that that slot player is he he. When he he he'll kind of he kind of stand outside, then came back inside across the face of the safety. Rudy Ford beat him to to that side, beat him to the inside, and was able to you know get almost to the end zone. Um, but kind of zoning that off, yeah, which I th- I think they were doing to try to make a smash check easier, make it e- easier for those two defenders to pass off a smash uh, call. Was I think the Lions may have taken advantage of that. Like I said, I'll have to go back and and look at some of the films, see how they've played that in in recent weeks. Um, but that's just kind of my hunch on that long play. Uh, whereas normally, this Darren Savage would have carried that route across the field. It wouldn't have been. Uh, it, I mean, he probably it, as long as he can cover it well. I mean, that's not always a given, but um, he would have been in position to. Uh, defend that route a little bit better. The defense would have been in position to handle that route a bit better. And so just a, a little bit over aggressive, I think, um, which I, I mean, I can understand the value in wanting to break tendencies in a game that this, that's this big 
You want to gain all the edges you can. Just felt like they that that worked to their detriment uh, this time around. Um, a couple other things I wanted to touch on. I mean, the Quay Walker ejection. I, I kind of touched that on touched on that on Twitter. I don't think it was an intentional decision for him to shove that trainer. I think it was more of a reflexive, you know, he felt someone contact him, just assumed it was a player and kind of turned around and shoved before he saw and realized who it was. I mean, obviously there's something that needs to be addressed there. Um, Sounds like as of right now, the NFL won't suspend him for any games next year, Um, which I, I think is probably good. I think that this is probably an issue that, would benefit from him being around veterans like Devondre Campbell and Kenny Clark and those guys who have had to deal with frustration on the defense and can can kind of help teach him how to be a mature uh, player in the NFL. Um, I wrote, like I said, I wrote about this on Twitter, but it's easy to forget that you know he's only twenty two. He in with Georgia, he was only a starter for one year, and that one year they won the national championship and were one of the best defenses in the history of college football. You know, he's not, at least in recent years, he's not used to dealing with essentially a, a, being part of a mediocre defense. There's a lot of, I, I imagine, there's a lot of frustration and um, anger and just, you know, well, a desire to affect the game a bit more and to. Um, overcome, you know, so all the the mistakes that he's made in the rookie his rookie season, uh, just just some frustrations there that I think that in these big moments uh, against the Bills and uh, that this Sunday night, I just kind of boiled over. So I, I think that you know I'm hopeful that he'll mature, that he'll uh, be be in a better place next year. Uh, that's my hope. And yeah, but yeah. Wish all the wish him all the best. I think he's going to be a a, a good player uh, for the Packers, and I he doesn't strike me as someone who's a dirty player. I, I think that this was more an overflow of emotion from someone who de- he doesn't have the maturity to handle it quite yet. And I think that that is something that can be can be helped, can be fixed over time. Um, a couple other things, just looking at the defense's free agents. Um, Rudy Ford, I, I think you want to bring him back. Uh, probably doesn't have to be for a whole lot. Um, you know, he's made he made enough impact plays. I think he's played well enough to, at the very least, be a get, be able to step in if they need him to. Uh, he's obviously a special teams ace. I think you want that kind of guy on your team. Um, and then Jaron Reed, I, I think that he's another guy the Packers could look to bring back. I mean, there were times this year when he was their best pass rusher. Even in this game, he. I haven't looked at the stats yet, but he probably came pretty close to leading the Packers in pressures and quarterback hits. He you know, had three or four pressures against a solid lines interior uh, interior line. So I would look to you know maybe try to bring him back. Obviously, not can't do anything too expensive. Um, and then the last guy that kind of comes to mind, besides Keyshawn Nixon, he's an obvious guy you want to bring back. Um, is Justin Hollins? I think that you know he's had some impressive moments over this latter half of the season after they brought him in. Uh, he's not going to be a star pass rusher, but, you know, he's able to do his job to, I would say, a slightly above average extent, um, get, give you some, you know, pressure, give you some sacks every once in a while. I think especially with Rashawn Gary, who probably going to start that next season on uh, PUP or um, at least not at full strength. Um, 
you you want to get bodies, some experienced bodies in that outside linebacker room, maybe supplement it, you know, with another free agent, someone in the draft, that sort of thing. So and those those are I would honestly try to bring all three of those guys back. I think that on my priority list would probably be Rudy Ford, just with Adrian Amos being a free agent. Um Savage, don't really know what you're gonna get from him next year. Um I mean, honestly, the safeties could be Rasul Douglas and Rudy Ford. We we don't know. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would put it Ford, then Jaron Reed, then Justin Hollins, and then obviously Keyshawn Nixon is one A, the the number one guy you want to resign. Um, that's kind of all I got tonight, guys. Uh, shorter episode, uh, but I want to thank you for listen, giving us a listen, and you can join us again next week on the Wisconsin Sports Works podcast. I will talk to you again soon.